0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. You know, you know what's really kind of funny about this. So while the children's sermons have always gone on, and it it had been staff that, that did a lot of them. I think Jay, Jay would come in and spell us everything. Now, the, now we've got a group of volunteers that are doing. They're doing a better job than we ever did. But what's really kind of fun is it gives me the chance now to look out at, at the families of some of the little kids and you see the mothers and their eyes are like deer in the headlights. They're like, please do not say anything that is going to identify me as your mother, Okay. And and what was really kind of cool about that was watching all the, the little boys and girls interacting and how their their faces are bright, I mean they're they're alive, folks. That's how God wants us to be. This is the sermon before the sermon. That's how God wants us to be. We come into His presence so that we're alive and actually alert enough to go ahead and respond to Him. And I noticed as Joanna was talking up here they were locked in and they were listening and they, and they were ready to respond. And so I hope this morning, not because of a sermon that I'm going to share with you, but I hope you're locked into God's Holy Spirit because this morning He is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to go ahead and not have you walk into this building and walk out the same. What God wants to do in your life and mine is when we have an encounter with Him, We are changed. We have the opportunity to be changed. And you and I must make that decision to say yes or no to him. And it is an eternal decision. And listen to me. If you're here this morning and you are a Christ follower, you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to to take that Jesus-shaped hole in you and come in and fill you, then God has you... God has for you a next step. If you're here this morning and you have not done that, listen to me. That's perfectly okay. But don't leave here the way you came in. Give God a shot at you this morning. Give him a shot at you this morning. Because what we're going to be talking about is the last of the essentials for a Christ follower. Uh, And this is this is part three. This is the last of the essentials of a Christ follower. What are the essentials? An essential, <clears throat> I'll give you an essential. Coach, coach, we got coaches in here. Coach, coach, coach. All right, <clears throat> if I get this wrong, you can. your job is to call me out, all right? In football, an essential is you have to be able to block. Amen? Sean, Amen? That is a big essential, especially if you're the quarterback. Can I get an amen, Zach? Thank you. All right. Now, blocking is important. Tackling is important. You've got to be able to stop the other team. I'm getting that right. Am I getting that right? Yep. Okay. Got a nod back there. Tackling important. Running the ball is important. Once you get the ball, you take off to the point where you need to be All of those are important things, but guys, these are essentials to be able to play the game successfully. For a Christ follower, the essentials are not things that you work on just for the outside purpose, but God begins to work on them on the inside of you. And it is God doing the work, not us having to press the weights or run the sprints or anything like that. It is God doing the work in you. And what He wants you and I to have the ability to do is give Him the consent to do His work. He wants to do the work and He wants our consent. You think about that. The God of all creation this morning is asking for you to say yes to Him. To say, I will let you do what you want to do in my life. Guys, it's an awesome, awesome love that God has for us that would give us that opportunity to do that, but also, good night. He gives us the ability to go ahead and say no to Him. Please don't do that this morning. The essentials of being a Christ follower require us to give God our consent. And so this morning... This is the last in the series of these essentials. It tells the story of every single person that is in this room this morning. Each one of these points fits into your life, whether you know it or not. So here's the first thing I need to ask you all. This is a responding question. Don't just sit there and go, well, if I don't answer, it'll go quicker. It won't go quicker. I'll keep waiting for you, okay? What are, and by the way, this is linguistically incorrect, okay, okay? So for all, but Melanie Reeves, I missed this by a mile. This was intentional missing. Do you know what the three R's are? Okay, and I was told when when someone saw this that I need to say that in a pirate voice. Okay, what are the three R's? R's okay, what are the what are the three R's? Say them with me. What are they? You're completely wrong. <laughs> You're absolutely and completely wrong. Those are not the three essential R's. It isn't reading, writing, and arithmetic. Those are for school essentials. This is God's story of you and His three R's this morning. Now there are three others that are not so familiar to most folks, but they should be familiar to you and me. And most of the time, folks, what we're going to do is go ahead and read a Scripture. This morning we're going to do this a little different. There are three sets of Scripture, and I'm going to invite you to stand for the first one. The first one involves ruin. Ruin. And it is found in Genesis. This wonderful, wonderful, wonderful set of verses in Genesis 3, 13 through 15. And I'm going to invite you to read with me these words. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all of the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And He will crush your head, and you will strike at His heel. May God bless the reading of this portion of His Word. Now, what in the world does this kind of obscure three verses in Genesis have to do with anything with the word ruin? Folks, let me share with you. There are three words that all begin with R that tell the story of you and me. It is ruin... Redemption and regeneration. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher in England, spoke of these things and wrote a magnificent sermon on the ruin of man, the redemption of man, and the regeneration of man. I'm not going to go ahead and do, do that sermon this morning. It lasted an hour and 45 minutes. Can I get an amen? All right. You'll be out before the Methodists this morning because we're going to go ahead and condense these things just just a bit. But ruin is the story of your life, and it begins back in the garden. You remember what happened? This is God's response after God had told Adam, "You are not to go ahead and approach or even get near or even eat what is in this garden. This part is off limits." And, of course, what we know is that Adam ends up passing this knowledge on to Eve. Eve was not there when God gave Adam the command. Eve shows up later. And most of us in this room want to go ahead and blame Eve. Guys, listen to me. They both ate. They both ate. They both knew it was wrong. They both chose to do wrong. Wrong, And because of that, there was ruin. Now folks, Adam and Eve, this is what we talk about when we say original sin. And I want you to hear this clearly. Every time there is sin in this world, whether you are directly a part of it or not, it affects you. You get what's called the splatter effect. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Their original sin translated generation to generation to you and me. And the splatter effect is that we become folks that are exposed to sin. Now, listen sin's not good. All right, I'm going to pick on a couple of people, so stay awake. All right, stay awake. Oh boy! As an SMU grad, we got a TCU guy right here. Name one sin. Name one. What's one of God's ten sin? Obeying your parents. Yes. And if you don't do that, that's wrong. And the Bible says that's sin. All right, that's one. Um, Alan, what's another sin? putting other things before God. In other words, I put money as God, or football before God, or any of those other These are sin. And guys, listen, sin comes from the wrongdoing before God, the same thing that Adam and Eve did. They chose to do what God said not to do. They chose to disobey. And guys, that original sin splatters for you and me even now not because we were in the garden and we chose to do that particular sin, but because when sin opened its jaws to mankind, God's response to that, if you read that that Scripture carefully, He goes to Eve and He says, what have you done? What have you done? And she does what many of us do when we get caught. The snake made me do it. Somebody else is at fault. That's sin too, folks. Listen to me. When you do the wrong thing, own your actions. Don't blame somebody or something else, even if somebody or something else had a part in it. Go ahead and own it. That's the first step to letting God own your sin. So what ends up happening with this? This ruin that ends up so easily tearing apart the perfect garden that God has put together. That effect of sin in your life and mine becomes devastating. And it's devastating both to you and to God. There's now a wall of holy separation between God and man after the fall of man. And that wall is made up of your sin and mine. That's what that wall is. It separates us from God, and the and and the wall is made out made up of what we have done, our choices, our actions, our inactions that have set up a barrier between me and God, between you and God. So what ends up happening with that? When Adam and Eve sin, that splash effect hit every one of us. It is deadly to us, and I want you to hear this. When God asked Eve that question, what have you done? You ought to be able to hear the echo in Scripture of God's heartbreak. What he wanted was you to be able to be with him forever and ever. Not just in a, well, someday in the in the sweet by and by, I'll get to heaven. That's not what God wanted. God wants closeness and intimacy with you right now. He wants what he had in the Garden of Eden with you right now. By the way, folks, listen to me. There's a little rabbit that ran right across here and i got to chase it. The Bible says that when you take your final breath, it pleases God. How can God say that? Because you will be with Him. His unencumbered intimacy. Think about the one person in your life that you enjoyed spending more time with than anybody else. I hope he or she is sitting next to you. But there's a person that I had in my life younger as a Christ follower, a very important person in my life. He has gone to, gone home to be with the Lord. And I've got to share with you that there are times that I sit there and say, God, I'd just like one more moment with that person. Lots of good country songs about that. And as you're sitting there thinking that kind of a thought, understand this. That kind of longing in your heart, God has for you. Unencumbered joy and togetherness. That's what He wants. And it devastated God when man chose something else. So what ends up happening with the ruin of man? Our ruin. Well, verse 15 gives you and me the hint of the hope Of God's solution for our sin problem. As a matter of fact, in Hebrew, if you translate this out accurately, it says the seed of a woman is going to go ahead and be the one that crushes the head of the serpent. Now, nowhere else in Scripture, does the seed, and we're not, because of young ears tonight, this morning, we're not going to go in and go deep into this, but only the only time seed is ever talked about, it relates to a man. Can I get an amen on that, that you are following what I'm not saying? Okay, this is the only time it says the seed of a woman. Why did it say that? Well, when Jesus Christ was born, he was not born of a union between a man and a woman. It was the Holy Spirit of the living God. And the Bible says in the Gospel accounts that Mary, who is this, this gal that has no one in her life, read that carefully, she's told, you're going to go ahead and be a mom. And she does the normal thing. How can that be? I don't have a husband. I know how biology works. I passed freshman biology at Navasota High School. That can't happen. And God says, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you will bear a child. And not only are you going to bear a child, you're going to bear a son. And not only are you going to bear a son, but he's going to be the one that is going to be waited for for all generations. And you will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Goes on and on and on. And they named him Jesus. And folks, I'll share. I'll share with you this. Verse 15. That's Genesis is talking about the hint of the hope that's going to solve your sin problem and mine. So what happens after we find out that we have the ruin of our own life? Well, the good news is we have redemption as well. In God's economy, He puts together the opportunity for us to be redeemed. That word redeemed means bought back. It means there's a price on your head because of what you have done. And God knows that price, and he paid for that price by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. And oh, by the way, please hear this. Jesus did not die for you and you and you and you and you and you, but he did not die. I have already picked on you, sir. I am not. I don't even know you well enough to do this, but I'm not going to pick on you again. I'll pick on your friend. He did not die for you, okay? He doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, what Jesus did is He died for every single person that is in this room, every person that's not in this room, every person that has ever drawn breath on the face of the earth, Jesus died for. He didn't select some and not others. That's why John 3.16 says, whosoever, it is the all-inclusive word saying, if you want God, let me tell you, God wants you. So the good news is He died for you, okay? All right? And the really good news is, folks, redemption means God bought you back. And in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, I'm going to read that for you. This is what Paul writes about redemption. He says, But now, apart from the law and the righteousness of God that has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe. There's no difference between the Jew or the Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, that's the settling of accounts, through the shedding of His blood, to be received by faith. And He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, not because of, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, right now, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Guys, this is a boy. This is a paragraph and a half that tells you and me about what God has done for us. This, in fact, is the work of God in one paragraph. All of what He has done for you and me. We have a problem that we can't solve, and it's called sin. God has a solution we can't fathom, and that's called Jesus. And you have to ask for it, and ask for that solution, and you can do that today. You see, God satisfies your sin account by the one great act. And of course that one great act is Jesus' death on the cross. And it was the death payment that verse 23 talks about. And later on in chapter 6 verse 23 where it says the penalty for the sin that you and I have committed is death. Thanatos. That that incredible word that means not only physical death but it means a spiritual death as well. The you that put, look, you want to know the part that God's interested in in your life? He's interested in all of it. But the part that He wants to go ahead and have work in, it's the part of you that when you put your head on the pillow at night, you think, what did I do today? That's the real you, not this. This is going to change forever. For the You all think, You're going to look like this for the rest of your life. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You? You think you're going to look like you look right now for the rest of your life? Sam, he looked just like you. Look over there. There you go. All right? This changes. God alone can change you from the inside out. And that's the part that God wants to work on this morning. And the part of you that he wants to work on the most is the part that you and I rarely want to share or show anybody. It's the part that we guard and hide from everybody because it is precious to us and it's the most vulnerable part of us. And if we let somebody else have it, they may go ahead and stomp on it. But God offers you his great one act, his death on the cross to satisfy your sin problem, to tear down that wall, to let you have fellowship with him. Please hear this. Right now while you're still breathing, not waiting until you die. God doesn't want you just when you die. He wants you right now. The only way that can happen is when you say I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and I invite him to come in. this is an essential to be a Christ follower. The ruin of man, the redemption of man. The last part that I want you to make sure that you've got this morning is the important part, the regeneration of you. This is found in John's Gospel chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. Again, I'm going to read this for us. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher and come from God. No one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Oh, by the way, take a time out as we read this. Take a time out for that. He comes to Jesus at night because all of his other friends that were in the high council would have been, hey, what are you doing with Jesus? We saw you walk in there this afternoon. What are you doing with him? He came at night because he still was a person of standing. He was a little bit afraid. And he also came to Jesus because he said, We see the signs you're doing. I was there. When, hey, I saw you when you healed that guy over there. I saw you when you did this miracle over here. The things that you do tell me that you're not like the rest of us. But watch what Jesus does when he says this. Jesus replied to him, Verily I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asks him, he says, How can somebody born with, be born again when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time in their mother's womb to be born. I will tell you what, any mom in here want to go ahead and give birth to a grown-up man? Yes. Yeah. I see all of you going, Ugh. Guys, we have no idea what it's like. But I've been waiting to get an amen out of her for weeks. All right? We have no idea what it's like. But listen, your wife will tell you if you ask. A mom will tell you. And Nicodemus asks this question thinking only in the physical sense. And this is what Jesus says to him. I truly tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. By the way, that's a reference to physical birth and then spiritual rebirth. Physical and spiritual. That's the water, that's the, the Spirit. Flesh gives, and then he clears it up. He says, look, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants to. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it came from or where it's going. And so it is those that are born with the Spirit of God. Regeneration means this. It's the very picture we have when we see baptism. Baptism. Believer's baptism. You walk in like you used to be. You walk out looking a lot different, being a lot different. Now listen, baptism doesn't save you, okay? You understand that. Baptism will not save you. But it is an essential part of telling everybody around you, I am different than how I used to be. God has made me different. Regeneration means that God takes you as you are right now, here at First Baptist, sitting here on a September Sunday morning. God takes you just like you are, and He changes you to be what He wants you to be. And God is about the work of changing every single boy and girl and man and woman in this church. He is at work changing you still. He will change you until you take your final breath. And then when you take your final breath, He will change you from this old worn out person. Can I get an amen, Sam? This old worn out person, and He will change you into glory. That is regeneration. And folks, I can share with you the good news. You are ruined this morning. Everybody say, amen, I'm ruined. You're ruined. Now, before we get so down on everything, the good news is there's redemption. Redemption. It means God has bought you back. And that wonderful news is that you are also regeneration. This is what God has done in you for you to believe. Believing in God doesn't happen on its own. God causes it. The Holy Spirit grants it. You and I can receive it today. And because of that, listen to me, because of that, This is the place where God in regeneration, this is the place where God frees you from your past. Frees you from your past sin. He changes then your sinful heart. He changes your heart. He changes your heart. And then He grants you Grace instead of grief. Grace means getting better than you deserve. Because I am ruined, I deserve ruin. But because of God's redemption and His regeneration, we get grace instead of grief. Pray with me. Holy Father, every one of us in this room can honestly say, I remember this mistake, this sin, this problem. And we can't go back and undo them. But with one great act, you can. of Jesus' death on the cross, knowing everyone in this room and everyone not in this room, loving every one of us, and then right now through your Holy Spirit calling our name, this is the chance we have for forgiveness, for hope. So Father, this morning there's anybody in here that has not tasted that forgiveness even if we don't understand all of what it means I pray Father that we'll say yes to you today you're hungering for that sin wall to be broken down by your son Jesus so you can be with us right now so you can be with us for eternity and we can be with You. In the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, move in this building and in our hearts. Draw everyone to You. Father, I pray that we will not be embarrassed to say we belong to You, but instead we will say yes, and we will follow Your steps. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. I share this with you folks because at the end of this portion of our service we have a a time called our commitment. That commitment time is right here and it's right now. This is a time where we sing a song. and If God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, I would love to pray with you about that here at our altar area. Now look, I don't know if you feel embarrassed about walking in front of people Jesus felt no embarrassment about walking in front of all of the folks of Jerusalem carrying the cross that he would be crucified on for you. It's not guilt that should make you walk and take a stand for Jesus this morning to decide to follow him or to go ahead and plug into this church family. It ought to be instead a time where you say, God, you're calling my name and my answer is going to always be yes. If He's calling you, I'd love to pray with you about that. During this song, you slip out of your pew you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. And as God leads, you come.